No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we return to our Through the Bible teaching with the Song of Solomon. Solomon writes his Song of Songs, a love song between a husband and wife. This also pictures our love relationship with Jesus. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl begins the Song of Solomon on Simply the Bible. The Song of Solomon. It begins Solomon's Song of Songs. What do we do with this book? It is most unusual. It is a love song. Of the 1,005 songs that Solomon wrote, this is the only one recorded in the Bible. It is his song of songs, probably meaning that it was the greatest song he wrote. In this love song, the woman does most of the talking. She is called a Shulamite from an unknown town, most likely in the hill country of Ephraim. She worked in the vineyard and also was a shepherdess. Her lover is called My Beloved and is probably Solomon. So was this a real relationship? Or was it fictional? It is possible that the woman is Abishag. When King David was old, he could not stay warm at night, so they searched throughout Israel for a young woman who could care for him. She would lie with him at night and keep him warm. They chose Abishag the Shunammite. Now, she was very lovely and cared for David, but he had no sexual relations with her. Solomon would have had opportunity to watch Abishag care for his dying father. He may have become deeply attached to her. After Solomon became king, his brother Adonijah made advances toward Abishag by asking Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, to ask Solomon on his behalf to give her to him as a wife. But at this request, Solomon became enraged, seeing this as a move for Adonijah, his half-brother, to take the throne. He ordered the executioner to kill Adonijah. Solomon's explosive reaction could indicate that he was in love with Abishag. If this is true, then Abishag was Solomon's first love and only divinely authorized wife. Now, this song is a celebration of monogamous love. It describes sexual intimacy between a husband and wife and the courtship leading up to their marriage. We should not be surprised that the Holy Spirit would include this in Scripture. Obviously, God created marriage and sex, and he has much to say about it. This book is God's answer to two errors that plague humanity. The first is the error of asceticism. That is the idea that all pleasure is bad. There are people who think that sex is dirty or that sexual pleasure is wrong. But obviously, God created sex to be exciting and pleasurable. This fact helps people reproduce and obey God's commandment to be fruitful and multiply. The second error this book answers is immorality. Without a doubt, sexual desires are strong, but we are warned in Scripture that giving in to them outside of marriage is evil. In Galatians 5.19, the Apostle Paul calls such things works of the flesh. 
In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he lists several unrighteous people who will not inherit the kingdom of God if they do not repent. Among these are fornicators who have sex before marriage, adulterers who have sex with someone other than their spouse, and homosexuals, those who have sex with someone of their same gender. Hebrews 13.4 states succinctly, Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. For a world that is highly sexualized and knows no bounds, Song of Solomon gives an example of sexual intimacy the way God intends it to be. It is protected within the walls of a covenant relationship between one man and one woman. It is a secret garden of delight. It is an expression not of animalistic passions devoid of love and commitment, but the beautiful and holy desires of two people who are bound together in love and have entered a covenant relationship before God and man. In today's culture, you can see every conceivable expression of sex portrayed in movies, or television, and in countless images so readily available on billboards, magazines, computers, and smartphones. People take pride in their free expression of sex, but tragically, they know so little of love. They have removed sex from its context of marital love and taken something beautiful and clean and made it ugly and dirty. Rather than it being about giving and commitment, It is about getting and no strings attached. We have become educated in sex, but know nothing of love. My wife, Cindy, and I just celebrated our 37th anniversary. Frankly, our sexual intimacy and love for each other have only improved with time. We know and appreciate each other far more now than when we were first married and didn't know what we were doing. This is the value of a monogamous relationship where Christ is at the center and God's love is the bond. Now, many Bible commentators have seen a deeper meaning in the Song of Solomon. They see it as a picture of God's relationship with his people. In the Old Testament, Israel was considered the wife of the Lord. When they worshipped other gods, then the Lord viewed that as spiritual adultery. In the New Testament, the church is the bride of Christ. In Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul compares the relationship between husbands and wives to Christ and his church. Therefore, we see the love that a husband has for his wife as a picture of the love Christ has for us, and we see the desire that a wife has for her husband as the same desire that we should have for Jesus. Therefore, we can apply the Song of Solomon in this way. The love the Shulamite has for her beloved pictures the love we have for Jesus. And the love the beloved, or Solomon, has for the Shulamite, or Abishag, pictures the love Jesus has for us. Now this does not mean that when the Shulamite begins by saying, let him kiss me with kisses of his mouth, that we must spiritualize this to mean that the kisses are the words of Christ spoken to us. Some commentators have interpreted it this way, and they spiritualize most every phrase spoken by the woman and the man in the song. But the problem with spiritualizing the text is that nobody agrees on what the spiritual meanings are. Therefore, I believe it is preferable and more accurate to view this as a love song celebrating marital love between a man and woman. 
but we will be pointing out the parallels to our love relationship with Jesus as we go. I believe that seen in the right light, this much-neglected book can help us love Jesus more deeply than ever before and can help us to know and accept His boundless love for us. I would also like to mention that there are songs within this song. They are not arranged in chronological order. The songs may concern the time of their marriage, courtship, or before they met. These divisions are not easy to discern, and commentators disagree as to where they occur and what they point to. If we keep in mind that this is poetry and not prose, then it will help us not get bogged down trying to figure out when in the relationship the scene takes place. Because God reserves sexual relations for marriage, we take the view that the couple's dialogue about sexual intimacy occurs within their marriage relationship. This is the only book of the Bible on this Simply the Bible radio broadcast and podcast where I am giving you a disclaimer. Parental guidance is suggested. The rabbis recommended that people not even read this book until they were 30 years old. Now, I won't go that far. The language is not explicit in the way we have been inundated with explicit language in our culture, but it is sensual and descriptive of sexual relations. If your 10-year-old is listening, you may have some awkward explaining to do. I would not say this is R-rated, more like PG-13. One last thing before we get started. Commentators disagree about which words are spoken by the woman and which by the man and which by others. It is not written like a play where it is obvious which character is delivering which line. So I will do my best to identify who is speaking as we go, but this interpretation may not be perfect. We open with the woman speaking. It is a song about their marriage or perhaps even their honeymoon. Verse 2, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Observe how openly the woman desires her husband. Yet, she begins in the third person. She says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. She could be saying this to someone else, or it could be what she is thinking. But then she says to him, for your love is more delightful than wine. She doesn't seem to have a problem talking about it. I think sometimes we are too reserved in communicating with our spouse about intimate things. Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed with each other. This was true not only of their physical bodies, but also of their thoughts and desires for each other. True intimacy means no more secrets. We can say what we mean and mean what we say. We can be honest and vulnerable. While drunkenness is condemned in Scripture, wine is a symbol of joy. She is telling him that his love or lovemaking is more desirable and delightful than wine. That would get any man excited. She then tells him that he smells good. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. The right fragrance is attractive and arousing. Of course, the reverse is true as well. Body odor or bad breath can be a turnoff. My wife, Cindy, prefers a certain lotion I wear. It is the combination of the fragrance of the lotion and my own body chemistry. And that is how perfume, cologne, or fragrance works. It creates a scent 
that is unique to the person. Sometimes when Cindy is away, I will sleep on her pillow. The reason? It has her scent, and I love her scent. Next, she talks about his reputation. Your name is like perfume poured out. As delightful as his fragrance is his name. The name is more than Solomon. It speaks of his character. She is proud to be associated with him. She recognizes that the maidens love him, but he belongs to her. Eat your heart out, girls. Then she talks about her desire to go with the king into his chambers. This is provocative and intimate. No doubt Solomon would be excited by this. Now she is direct about her desire, but she is still feminine and respectful of his leadership. She doesn't say, hey man, you come with me to my place. She says, take me away to your place. In other words, sweep me off my feet, carry me over the threshold, lead me into your bedroom. Now the maidens respond to her. Could these be Abishag's bridesmaids? We rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. How right they are to adore you. Now this is why I think this song is about Abishag and Solomon on their wedding day. The maidens tell her how right they are to adore you. They tell her the words every bride wants to hear. You look beautiful. Okay, class, we will end it there today. You may need to take a cold shower or jump in the river. We will continue this love song tomorrow. But before we say goodbye, let me give one word about our relationship to Christ. We ought to desire him as the woman desires her beloved. We ought to long for his communion. His love should be more delightful to us than wine. Is it? You've been listening to Simply the Bible. The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll continue Solomon's Song of Songs as we look at the courtship between these two lovers. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the Song of Solomon on Simply the Bible.